Well, good morning. I'm Stephen. I'm the pastor, and I am so excited about what we're going to talk about today that I can't wait. I can't wait. We are in a series called Prayer That Cultivates the Soul, and it's kind of awesome because Jesus, who was God on earth, taught us how to pray. He was like, oh, you want to know how to pray? I'll teach you. And we have this. What we're looking at today is, is the, he, he actually taught this prayer in two different occasions. One was in public to the crowds. That's what we're going to look at today. Another time was his followers, his disciples, like got around him one time after he was praying and they were like, Jesus, could you teach us to pray the way you do? You know, we'd like to hear this. And so he taught them um, the same prayer, but with different words. And I think both of these are probably summaries, but, um, but he taught them also in private. And so this was Jesus' teaching in public and in private. What is remarkable to me about this prayer, especially this week, is that it feels to me like every single phrase in this prayer is life-changing. If you slow down, I know I kind of like a like a salesperson, right? If you give me $39.95, I will give you a prayer that will change your life, right? Um, seriously, though, if you slow down, one of the problems with this prayer is that for some people, you know it already and you've memorized it. And so you already know what it says and you already know what it means. And so when you say it, you don't actually listen to what you're saying, right? This is sort of what's, what happens to us when we memorize something. But if you slow down and you let these words go deep, each phrase, each word sometimes has the power to change your life. I don't think I'm exaggerating. I don't think I'm exaggerating because if you understand it and you pray it and then you live it, there are different parts of this prayer that will change you. They will cultivate the growth and the health of your soul, the deepest part of you. And so remember, we've looked at the Bible's understanding of the soul the last couple of weeks. The soul is every bit of the non-physical part of us. So we are, as human beings made in God's image, we are body and soul body and soul together. And so the soul is every bit of the non-physical part of us. So it's spiritual, it's intellectual, it's emotional, and it's psychological. So in all these ways, these things make up our soul. And Jesus is going to teach us to pray in a way that gets all of us, all of that soul stuff connecting to God, alive, and part of the relationship that we have with God. And so let's look at what he says. We're just looking at the beginning of the prayer. In Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 and 10, there's a, the verses will be up on the screen. There's also, the verse is also printed in the bulletin. There's a place there to take notes. We're going to talk about a lot today. And so you might actually want to write some things down today if you don't normally want to encourage you to do that. Um, so Matthew 6, verses 9 and 10, Jesus said, pray then like this, our Father in heaven, Hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So each phrase and sometimes each word of this prayer is given to us so that we would be in union with God, so that we would be lined up, so we would feel like we are with him, like he is with us, like we're close to him. God wants us to know him. God wants to make our souls deeper and broader bigger and more full of life. And so I want to show you what I mean. So let me, I'm going to show you a breakdown of just these, the beginning of this prayer into the words and phrases that, uh, that I think are good to look at. Okay. So we have father hour, uh, because in Greek when the, when Jesus said this, 
the word father came first. So that's the way the Greek language works. And it's kind of cool, right? Because God comes first. And so um, we mess that up in English. Oh, well. Um, so we have father and hour. And the reason there's a line there is because we looked at father and hour last week. And so we're going to look at the stuff underneath the line in more detail this week. But we have father, hour, and we have in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So this prayer begins with father. And I got to help you understand this because to say the word father in this prayer is to transform or at least to give you an opportunity to have your understanding uh, transformed and your understanding of your identity. Father is about identity. Saying God is your father, calling God father is all about your identity, who you are. Okay, this one word will change what you think about yourself and what you think about who you are in relationship to God forever. What Jesus is doing here by starting the prayer and teaching us to pray to God as Father is that Jesus wants to ground our identity in the overwhelming and enthusiastic love of God. He wants this to be the thing that is most important about us, that we are children of God. This is where we start our lives, with God as Father. Who you are in relationship to God is the most important thing that you can think about and rehearse in your prayers. And so Jesus, every time you pray, Jesus is saying, don't forget you're praying to your Father. Now, I know that for many of us, the idea of Father isn't necessarily good connotations. Some of us have very negative experiences of earthly fathers. And so if that's you, listen to last week's sermon because we talked all about that. And so please listen to that. But God is loving authority as father. And so Jesus wants us to start there to remind us that God loves us, cares about us, and is with us as a heavenly, a perfect father would be. Okay, then the word hour comes next. And this word is designed to help us and transform our thinking about community. It's about community. This one word means, for us to say, our Father, means that we have been saved from isolation and shame, and we have been joined into a family of people who love you, who understand you, or are growing in their understanding of you, and they accept you. That when you pray, you're not alone. You can have personal, intimate time with God that's private to you and him, but you need to realize that you're part of a family of people that are in the same boat as you. You're not alone. You're not alone. And people know you and they love you and they care about you and they accept you. So that's what it means to pray our. We talked about this last week. And so as you can begin to see, like this prayer really does meet us at our deepest needs, right? The heart cry of our souls are, are spoken to by this prayer, the things that we struggle with the most. Now, the next section of the prayer deals with, and it teaches us with what our souls want, okay? The things in our souls and what they want. Now, our souls are made in the image of God. So they're made by God to reflect him and to connect with him. God gave us intellect, emotion, and a psychology and wiring and a spiritual life so that in all four of those ways, we would have a relationship with him, 
Okay, our souls, and so, um, so we're looking, and this prayer is going to teach us what our souls want. Now, as we look at this today, as we go through this, if you feel like you don't want these things, because I'm going to say some things that our souls want, you're going to think, well, I don't really want that, or I'm not sure if I care about that very much. So if that's where you're at, then let this prayer that Jesus taught us to pray expand your soul. Let this prayer waken something that's in your soul that's maybe lying dormant. This prayer will pull you into the heart of God himself. It will bring things out of, it'll bring feelings, it'll bring emotions, it'll bring thoughts, it'll bring passions and ambitions. I mean, this prayer has the power to connect you to God and influence everything. Your thoughts, your feelings, your passions, your ambitions, your dreams, your emotions, the way that you live your whole life. And so in this way, this prayer cultivates our soul. So let's talk about the phrase in heaven. Why do we pray this? Well, this part of the prayer is about having an infinite perspective. It's about having an infinite perspective. Let me ask you if you've ever had this experience. Have you ever, have you ever been in a situation where you asked, what am I supposed to do? If you have, this part of the prayer is meant for you. Have you ever been in a situation where you tried everything that you could think of and nothing worked? And you wanted to give up, but you couldn't give up because giving up meant keeping the situation the way it was that was so broken and painful that you couldn't stay still either. You can't give up, but you can't do anything and you don't know what to do. If you've ever been in a situation like that, that experience is what gives birth to these two words in this prayer, in heaven. Jesus teaches us to pray to our Father who is in heaven. Okay, this means that God is so high that he has infinite perspective. Okay, let me tell you what this doesn't mean. This doesn't mean that God is far away from us. Okay, that's not what this means, but rather this phrase means that God is high and he is exalted and he has infinite perspective. If you go to the library, you know, three blocks away from here and go up to the 12th floor and you go out on the landing because they have this amazing, you know, the architecture and the way they structured it, you can get an exalted view of the city and you see more of the city of San Diego than you could if you're down on the bottom floor, if you're walking the streets, Right? You see more. If you hike Coles Mountain, you get up on that mountain, you look out and you can see the whole region of San Diego in a way that you can't see when you're down at the bottom of the mountain. And so let me give you a little bit of a different visual on this because I want to drive home for all of us the difference between our perspective and God's infinite perspective. So I'm going to show you a short clip. It's about 10 seconds long. It's from the movie Men in Black. It's the very end of the first Men in Black movie. I'm just going to show you a little clip of it. You're going to remember it if you've seen the movie. So let's uh, let's play that.
Okay, and in the movie, it actually goes on longer and longer, and it gets bigger and wider and gianter and giant, you know, it just goes out farther and farther, galaxies and superclusters and, you know, all that kind of stuff, right? Um, what's the point? Yeah, the point is that we, we see five things that are right in front of us, and maybe that's giving us too much credit, <laughs> right? We see one thing that we're focused on, right? God sees a thousand things in front of us, right? God sees the thousand things that are behind us. God sees the thousands of things that are to the left and to the right of us. And he sees them all at the same time. And he sees them perfectly. I mean, even the five things that we might think we can see, like, I can't see any one of you. I can only see one of you at a time, right? I can focus on you, but then you know, I can't see all of you. I can't focus. God has, C.S. Lewis said this. C.S. Lewis says, God is, like, has, has, he, he, wait, let's see. he said, only an infinite God has the bandwidth for intimate relationships with each and every one of us individually. Like, so God sees it all. He understands it all perfectly. And he is actively working all things together for good for people who love him, okay? And so this is the difference. So, and God's perspective, his infinite perspective, not only sees in four directions, right? It sees everything that's going on, but God's infinite perspective also sees everything about our past, everything about our stories, everything about everything that we've ever been through and why we do what we do now because of the stuff that happened to us before. Some good, some bad, some really, really ugly, Right? And so he sees our past. He also sees our future. Like his infinite perspective knows what's best for you and me. And he actually knows what's best for the most people. And so God has this crazy, amazing capacity to know exactly what is best for the most people. And he is the one, he's actively at work to bring about good. I mean, even in the midst of our grief, we can see God's goodness and his grace. We see him working. The challenge for us is that very often what is good for the most number of people isn't what we want him to do. Dang it. (laughs) Right? How frustrating is that? Um, And not just frustrating, but sometimes it's like heart-wrenching. Um, I was praying with somebody after the service who's got a relationship with someone and this person has turned on them. And so we were praying for God's infinite perspective. We were praying to God in heaven. Because that's what this prayer is teaching us to pray. God, you see everything. You know everything that's going on. All we can see is this. All we can see are these few things. God, we need you. We need your perspective and so we're praying to you who are in heaven because we, do, we stretch us, show us things that we can't see, direct our gaze, show us like what should we ask? What should we do? How can we act? What are we doing wrong in this? How can we do our part to make things better in this situation? What am I not thinking about that would unlock my understanding of this person? And we're praying about this. And when we were done praying, it's like, ah, shoot, the frustrating thing about praying this way is that sometimes God's infinite perspective 
This is hard. Sometimes God's infinite, in God's infinite perspective, the most good for the most people is teaching us how strong we can be if we're under the weight of suffering. And that's going to produce depth in our soul. It's going to produce maturity. It's going to produce faith. It's going to produce strength and endurance that will enable us to stand up and be strong, that will enable us to be the kind of people who might be able to help someone else who needs some strength when they're under it. And, and like when I think about that, I think, all right, I'm in, but I don't want to be in, right? God, isn't there another way? And if you ever felt that way, then again, your infinite perspective will lead you into God's word, into Jesus in the garden of Gethsemane, where he said, God, if there's any other way, let this cup pass from me. And yet not my will, but yours be done. And so to pray the phrase in heaven is to stretch out our souls. It's to open ourselves up for a bigger perspective, for God's perspective. It's us crying out. I've heard this phrase, I think Jordan Peterson might have said it, but I love it. He says, you hold what you think with humble ignorance. Like, I think this is true, but my perspective is limited. And so God, I offer this up and ask you to expand this and grow this and help me to see what you see. And not just see, but help me to feel what you feel. Because oftentimes, God, I don't really care what happens, but you do. And if you care, I want to care. And so I want to see the world. I want to see myself. I want to see other people with your eyes. I want to feel about people the way that you feel about them. I want to think the way that you think, God. And so this hits all the aspects of our souls. And it stretches us. The prayer goes on with the phrase, hallowed be your name. Hallowed be your name. And this phrase, this is a call to us uh, for worship. This is about worship. If in heaven is about infinite perspective, hallowed be your name is about worship. Let me see if I can draw out of you and get you to be emotionally invested in what I'm talking about by asking you, have you ever felt this? Um, Have you ever felt like you just wish that everyone that you know, like especially the people that you love, you ever felt like, I just wish that they could know God's love? Like, I I wish they could experience his grace the way I have. Like, for some reason, when I hear Jesus, I think joyous, wonderful things, and they think the, like, they think of awful things. That experience that desperate and urgent need for other people to know God's goodness and his grace is what gives birth to the prayer, hallowed be your name. In this phrase, we are asking God to work in ways that would help other people to like to want him. Hallowed be your name. Your name is, is, is your reputation. Make your name holy, God. Make it so that people would revere you, would respect you, would appreciate you, um, would think that what you have to offer is worth something. 
God, move and work. Act through the power of your spirit in ways that would make other people, that would make everybody on earth think, wow, I want to follow that God. Wow, that God is right. Wow, that God's ways are good. Have you ever felt like you've had to keep silent about your relationship with God because the person that you're with doesn't like him? People at work, people at home maybe, friends, you got to keep it on the down low because you know that they think that Jesus is just a judgmental, arrogant, egotistical, right? Again, we pray this prayer when we get frustrated because friends of ours hate Jesus, but they don't really hate Jesus. They hate some caricature of Jesus that, well, frankly, his followers have given them, right? There are lots of people who hate Jesus because of his followers, and they're right to hate what his followers have done, right? The church is broken and full of broken people who, I mean, even in our best moments, we're trying to image him and failing, So hallowed be your name. I mean, this is the cry of your heart. This is what you're asking for. You're asking for God to make that right. You're asking for God to make it so that Jesus would be known and famous in San Diego. Known and famous. So that even people who don't agree with your faith, who maybe don't believe in Jesus, would think, man, I'm really glad that I know you. Or I'm glad that you're in my life. Or I'm glad this church is here in San Diego. This is one of the reasons why we want to live on mission, why we want to serve the city, why we're city positive. It's because we want to show up, we want to serve the broken and celebrate the good. Because we want people to see that this is Jesus' heart. So this is hallowed be your name. And then this last phrase that we're going to look at today is your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. This is a prayer about mission. This is a prayer about mission. I'm sure that none of you have ever felt this way. None of you have ever wondered, like, what the heck is going on in the world? <laughs> ever wondered, why is the world so bad? <laughs> um, this is the heart cry of the person who is standing face to face or living in the middle of an unbelievably broken and chaotic world. This is what you pray when you feel that. Jesus wants you to be brutally honest about your feelings at the brokenness of the world and then bring them into the presence of God and say, bring your kingdom and let your will be done. God, move with great power so that this world would be like it is in heaven. One of the other dynamics of in heaven and how it relates to this part of the prayer is that when God made the world in the very beginning of the Bible, right, you have heaven where God is and then you have earth. And the garden was a sanctuary where those things came together, right? But heaven and earth were separated. At the end of the Bible, at the, book of, at the end of the book of Revelation, there is no more heaven versus earth. At the end of the Bible, heaven and earth are coming together in a new heavens and earth where heaven and earth are one, where God and people dwell together in a heavenly city that is glorious and fills the earth with with all of God's presence. 
this prayer is us stuck in the middle, trying as much as we can to reach out for what is coming, trying to pull it into the present. We're longing for heaven and earth to become one. We're longing for God's kingdom to come, for his will to be done on earth the way it is in heaven. And so when we're most frustrated, we can pray this prayer. But also when things go well, this prayer also invites us to bring our celebrations into the presence of God. Think about this. I mean, have you ever like, had something go right in a situation? Right? Have you ever um, done something, like tried to fix a situation, and it got fixed? Right? That's God's kingdom coming in your life as it is in heaven. Right? If you've ever been in a sporting event where like you're in the sporting event and you played unbelievably well, right? You were in the zone. You could do no wrong. God's kingdom came. His will was done in your life, in your performance, the way it would be in heaven, right? Because in heaven, I'm going to hit every shot, every shot, even from half court, right? Here on earth as it is in heaven. You're studying, right? You're studying for, and, and, and you're under the gun and it's crunch time, and we won't talk about how much time you could have spent studying, but we're just talking about the night before, right? You got 12 essay questions that you have to prepare for. You do outlines on two of them. The test comes, and you hit the lottery because the two essay questions are the ones that you studied for, right? They're the ones you wrote outlines for, right? This happens. God's kingdom come. God's will is done on earth as it is in heaven. Like, never mind the lack of studying stuff. We're not talking about that. We're talking about in the moment. In the moment, it all went well. In those moments, I mean, and maybe you had a conflict and you took action and you went and apologized and they heard you and they believed your apology and you were reconciled. God's kingdom come. God's will is done in your life, in that relationship, as it is in heaven. And so in these ways, even when things are good, this prayer isn't just about all that's wrong and how to pray, but it's about taking even the celebrations into the presence of God and making them part of your relationship with him. Sometimes the drink that you have with Jesus at the end of the day or at the end of the week is trying to forget your sorrows. But sometimes that drink that you're having with Jesus is celebrating that, man, sometimes life is good. And so this prayer, it's born out of our souls. It's born out of our emotions, the positive emotions that are joyful and celebratory and happy and excited about what God is doing in the world the emotions that are destroyed and frustrated and angry and like hopeless. We're supposed to bring all of this. The deeper that you go into this prayer, man, the more you see that Jesus is taking the most pervasive themes in all the Bible and he's teaching us how to communicate with God over those things. The idea that we're trying to bring heaven and earth together in our prayers that we can bring our emotions. And, and, and I just, I want to make this point because it's super important because when I say bring our emotions into our prayer life, this, well, this doesn't mean the same thing for all of you. 
or for, you know, including me, right? We're wired differently. And this is where that psychological piece of our souls comes in. Some of us are wired to be very, I'm not even going to say emotional because I think that actually gives a misunderstanding of what it means to be emotional. So some of us are very outward and demonstrative in the way that we react to situations. We call that being emotional. But I would say that anybody, anybody who feels anger, anybody who ever's frustrated, anybody who's ever happy, anyone who's ever satisfied, anyone who's ever, I mean, just, just go down the line. Anyone who's ever felt those things is emotional. You just don't express it the same way. And so some of us in this church are like, oh, I can't believe it's so amazing. You know, and you think about God as father and all of a sudden tears start welling up in your eyes, right? I cannot believe that God would love me like a father loves me like this is so, and it moves you right? And, and you start crying. There are other people in our church who have never, ever, ever cried about their relationship with God, but are no less moved deep in their soul about who God is and what God's done. Are you with me? And so we've got to be careful, right? There are times when, um, I mean, this happens when we sing. Some people are like, hands up in the air, right? And some people are like, the last, I'm never, never going to lift up my, I feel so dumb. I feel, and I'm saying this because you need to know that what's coming, what's coming is that our worship leader is going to lead us in worship. He's going to ask some of you to stretch your souls and you're going to demonstrate the stretching of your soul with the stretching of your hands up a little bit, maybe, you know, so, so as a church, there are going to be times where we're going to stretch you. So if you've never felt any emotional, you know, we're going to say, hey, are you, are you in touch with your emotions? Are you being honest about your anger, your frustration, your joy, your contentment? Like we're going to push you a little bit on that. Okay. We're going to do a whole series called emotionally healthy spirituality coming up. And again, we're not going to force everyone to become like sobby weepy, but we're just going to try to get everybody, everyone to understand and live in the fact that we all have reactions to things. Some of our reactions are positive. Some reactions are negative. God wants all of it. It's all part of our soul. And so whether we're relatively stoic and more intellectual, because over here on this side, like the crying and stuff, it's amazing and wonderful and the experience is great. You feel very authentic. Um, Sometimes though, these things carry us away in a way that doesn't allow us to do, to respond the way God wants us to respond. So pros and cons on both sides. If we have a healthy church, Maybe we can learn from each other and share with each other. All that is coming. But the point is that God wants us to bring how we think, how we feel into his presence. And this prayer, when we understand it to the depth that we're looking at right now, lets us pray with these words in much fuller ways. Um, So... What I want to say next is that something incredibly wonderful has happened to me in, the, in, this last, in this latest time that I've been studying and preparing for this, this series. Um, I've taught on the Lord's Prayer a bunch in my life. I've preached series on the Lord's Prayer before. This time, something new happened. And sometimes it's because I'm in a different place, so I'm going to see things I didn't see before, right? That one thing that I'm looking at, like it's, I'm in a different place because I'm older, I'm hopefully wiser. Um, you know, I see different things. Sometimes God just says, hey, I want to show you something else. Um, here's what I saw. 
I saw that prayer is this effort for us to commune with God. It's to be in a relationship with him, right? Prayer is one of the ways that we serve God, that we honor him and that we worship him, right? Because we're taking time out of our schedule and we're spending time with him because he's worth it. So when we pray these things, we're praying according to God's will. And I want to say, this is what was new, is that you can pray this prayer with your life. Okay? Because prayer incorporates more than just talking with God. A prayer is obviously talking with God, but prayer is more than just talking with God. You can pray this prayer that Jesus taught us to pray with the things that you do. Okay? Your life can be an expression of this prayer. And that is really exciting, especially for people who feel like they don't pray enough. Right? If you feel like you don't pray enough, I'm going to talk through how to pray this prayer with your life so that with more of the things that you're doing, you can like check off the prayer box. Are you with me? Does nobody else struggle because they feel like they don't pray enough? I'm going to like give you hours a week that you pray. You're going to be able to say, oh yeah, I prayed for like six hours this week because, well, I'll show you. Okay. Um, so Father, the idea of Father in this prayer. Think about it this way. Every time that you believe that God loves you, every time that you're sure that God forgives you and that you know God's on your side, whatever you're doing then, you are, your life is expressing the prayer, Father. If you care about someone else and you are gracious to someone else because God has been gracious to you, you are, with your life, expressing that God is your father. Make sense? The word our. Every time you do something for someone else, you are reflecting the reality that life is more than just about you. Every time you serve someone, every time you care for someone, every time you understand someone, every time you're patient with someone, every time you in any way orient your life around someone else and their needs, your life is praying the word our. So when you decide to do something for someone else because you love them or because you want to show love to them, you are praying, not only God are you father, but you're our father. You're drawing that family circle of love around the person that you're serving and you're saying our. The phrase in heaven, okay, listen to this. Every time you stretch and grow in your perspective, you are reaching for God's infinite perspective. You're praying in, you're praying and reflecting the reality that God is in heaven. Any kind of activity that makes you think wider and broader and longer and higher and deeper, that is us praying in heaven. Okay, because the, the prayer in heaven is, God, you're up there. You have infinite perspective. You can see everything. I just want to know the way you know. I want to know something else. I want to know more than I know. I need your wisdom and your perspective. 
And so when you grow in your perspective about anything, you're getting closer to God's infinite perspective. Okay? Even if you're going from like 22 to 26, <laughs> like you take a class, right? Or you ask someone, hey, tell me about your, tell me about your upbringing, right? Tell me about your spiritual journey. How long have you walked with God? Or what do you believe about God? Anytime you ask a question that gets at someone's backstory, you grow in your perspective. Your perspective gets a little bit closer to infinite and you're still obviously infinite far away, right? We're never gonna be God. But every time you do anything like that, um, every time your relationship with someone else changes because of what you learn about them, you're praying, your life is praying our Father in heaven. I hope that makes sense. If it doesn't make sense, jump into a life group and go discuss this so that you can make it make sense. Um, hallowed be your name. Every time you worship God, his name is hallowed. Every time you worship God, you are giving him the honor that he is due. Um, you're treating him as though he's holy. You are praying this prayer. Um, every time you brag about God in an appropriate way, you know, when you talk about how much God has blessed you and the way that you see God working good in your life, um, you gotta be cautious. I mean, just every time you do that, you are hallowing God's name. Your kingdom come and your will done on earth as it is in heaven. Every time that you do what God wants, because he wants it, your life is this prayer. So at work, if like when you're honest, um, when you don't cut corners, when you respect other people and their time, when you don't take advantage, I mean, all of that, every bit of that is an expression of this prayer. And so, if this is true, now, you gotta make the connection. Like, in your heart, in your soul somewhere, you gotta say, God, I'm doing this because I love you. Like, God, I'm doing this because you've loved me. You, you make this connection, and then that activity is part of the prayer. Your life is this expression of a prayer to God. And so this can happen, not just when we pray and talk to God, but this can happen when we write, when we think, when we sing, but also when we talk to other people, when we do things, when we take actions, right? To learn, to grow, to love in all of these different ways. Um, and this is our soul deepening and stretching out wider. This is us walking with a different perspective. I mean, all of that is praying through uh, our lives, and that to me is exciting. That to me is exciting because more of our lives then can become opportunities for us to be connected to God, to be aware of his presence. And so God will answer these prayers when you pray the way Jesus taught us to pray. The way that God answers these prayers though typically is through us. Okay? So we pray this and we want God to change the world. God wants the world changed too, but God's normal process is to change the whole world one person at a time. And normally God starts with the people who are willing to take a chance and pray this prayer with their souls.
The Bible says that God is, his eyes are moving to and fro throughout the earth, strongly supporting those whose hearts are truly his. And so God desperately wants the healing and the regeneration and the redemption of all things. But he won't do it apart from us. He won't do it apart from you. And so this prayer is Jesus not just telling us some stuff to say when we get quiet with God, but Jesus is actually giving us a baton. He's given us his baton. This is his mission. And he's inviting us to step in. This is the dangerous life of faith. And as we understand this, we stretch up to heaven for it. And we find that our prayers, like our prayers will grow, but our lives and our hearts and our souls will grow. And so let me just give you two ways to walk in this this week. Okay, I'm going to show you this prayer broken down over the days of a week in two different ways. Okay, first, if you want to pray this whole prayer in a week, go ahead and go to the next slide. Um, This is just the prayer broken up into seven sections. So this is one way to pray. And we'll send this out in our email list. So um, if you want to get this, you don't have to write this down. But this is just literally taking different elements of the prayer and focusing on each element uh, throughout the week. So you can do this for the rest of your life if you want to. This is a really good way to cover all your bases. And we haven't even talked about the last three, um, the last three days yet. We'll, we'll do that next week. And so this is one way that you can focus your prayer and your life on a different element of this prayer this week. The second way is just to take what we're talking about today and do it twice this week. Let me show you this. And so today, think about our Father. That's identity and community. And then Monday in heaven, Tuesday, hallowed be your name, and Wednesday, your kingdom come, and then repeat that for the last three days of the week. So this is just a way where you can do the stuff we're talking about this week. You can do it twice this week. And so um, when I was, let me, let me close with this. When I was a kid and I started lifting weights, um, I used to lift weights with my best friend and his dad. His dad knew everything about athletics and all this stuff. And then for the first time in my life, I was doing the bench press. And after a few weeks, like I realized that when I moved my arms, there was this like popping noise and this feeling of popping going on right here. And I was like, that's kind of freaky. And so I, I was like, hey, Mr. Brown, like what's the deal? I'm feeling this popping stuff. Is that, that's, that's not good, is it? And he goes, oh, no, 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 that's, that's awesome. That's fantastic. What's happening there is that your muscles are getting stronger and you are actually, your muscles are pulling your ribs out of your sternum to expand the size of your chest cavity so that your muscles continue to grow and it has impact on your lungs and all these kinds of things. So that's actually what's supposed to happen. And I'm like, it feels kind of weird. He goes, yeah, I know, but that's just it. This is normal. Okay, friends, this prayer, if you exercise with this prayer, you will find your soul will expand. You will find that there are elements of your thinking and your emotions and your wiring, like your psychology and your spiritual life will begin to expand and take on new dimensions. It may feel a little bit uncomfortable, but God is with us in this and he is leading us. And so let's pray this prayer this week. Let's be this prayer with our lives this week. Pray with me. Father, thank you. Thank you for so powerfully 
in so few words cultivating our souls. God, we want these things. We want your name to be hallowed on earth. We want your will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. God, we, we, we long for your infinite perspective. And so together we stretch out for your infinite perspective. Would you please meet us here? Help us this week. It's one thing for us to talk about these things and to hear it on a Sunday. God, be with us and help each one of us to take a step in praying this prayer and living this prayer this week. Show us how to do that and meet us in it. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen.